0: Today we continue our series called Seasons. We've been talking about the different seasons of life, how there are both uh, mountaintops and valleys in our life and everywhere in between, and how there are different seasons of our life. Part of why we're looking through this, as I've shared, is that my family is in a season of transition. <laughs> Now. And so I do cover your prayers. Thank you, Brett, this morning. I really appreciate that. Um, As we're trying to figure out getting a house ready to sell and all that crazy stuff that some of you have been through um, and transitioning down to Bozeman to Journey Church, uh, where we feel like God has led us to go. Um, And because of that, uh, we've said, hey, you know, it's it's not just me that's going through seasons of life. We're all going through seasons of life. We've all got different seasons of life. And so in this off-season, we want to take some time to consider what season are we in in our life? Where is God leading us? How is God guiding us through whatever season we might find ourselves in today? I've got a great Mother's Day passage, David and Goliath, okay? Um, And we're going to be talking about seasons of victory. Seasons of victory will be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I will focus in on verses 45 through 50 before I get to those verses. Though I want to give you a little bit of background in this story. Raise your hand if you've heard the story of David and Goliath. Have you heard this story? Okay, good. So you, you know some of this story. There's this young shepherd boy. His name is David. About 3,000 years ago. And his dad sends him out to his brothers. Now his brothers are in the king's army. Saul's army. And they've come up against an adversary. They've come up against the Philistines. And they are in A valley on one side is the Philistine army and on the other side is the Israelite army and they're at a bit of a standstill because every single morning this giant named Goliath nine foot tall comes out stands out in the battlefield and challenges them to a one-on-one confrontation so, hey, we're going to spare a lot of bloodshed here. You send out your best guy to come fight me. And then we'll just see who wins. And then whoever wins, that's the victor. We don't all have to die here. Just one guy. And then we can go away happy because the Philistines are feeling pretty good about life, right? They got a nine foot giant. So every morning the giant comes out and he's challenging them. And he's yelling at them and he's saying, hey, come on out, challenge me. And every day, the Israelites say, anybody want to go out there? And there's crickets in the camp, because nobody wants to go and face the giant. Until David, on assignment from his father, brings some food to his brother. The shepherd boy shows up and says, hey, why are you letting that guy come out and curse... The God of our God, our Lord and King. Why are, you, why are you allowing this Philistine to come out here and challenge us? Don't you know that God is on our side? Don't you know that the Lord is on his side? You know what? Listen, I've killed lions. I've killed bears. I can kill this guy. So David storms in to Saul, the king, and he says, Saul, I can kill this guy. Saul says, awesome. Uh, I think you're a little small for that, but we're going to go for it. All right? Here's all my armor. David says, no, 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 I don't want all that armor. I don't need all that armor. All I need, i got this sling. i got this sling, King Saul. This is going to work. So I'm going to get this sling. And he goes down to the brook. He grabs five smooth stones. He grabs those. He actually only needs one. And he goes out onto that battlefield. And this is what he says. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. See, I told you it was a Mother's Day sermon. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army To the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag. And taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran, stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, because he didn't have one, and drew it from its sheath, and he killed him and cut off his head with a sword. Just like he said he would. Let me begin with a seasonal question. And the seasonal question is this. When was your last great victory? When was your last great victory? Can you, can you look back to a time and say, boy, I had, there was this season of life, this moment in my life, where it wasn't defeat, where it was great victory, it was about seven or eight years ago, and a young man who walked into my office on a Monday morning and he said to me in tears, Brian, um, my life is a mess. Um, I've just come off a 48 hour binge, binger bender full of um, alcohol and drugs. I'm about to lose my wife. I'm about to lose my two year old son. My life is absolute shambles, and, and I don't know how to put it together. And so we sat and we talked and I gave him a Bible and I said, Hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna meet once a week. I'm gonna get you in some professional counseling so you can you can get with a counselor. We're gonna get you enrolled in AA, and then you're gonna come in to me every week and we're just gonna check in and we're gonna talk about what you're reading in the Bible, and we're just gonna we're just gonna work through this day by day by day, week by week by week. And and so it began. We he got enrolled in AA and And that was helpful for him. He got with a a professional counselor who helped him out with some things going on within his own soul. And then every single week he'd come in and he would just devour the Bible. And he'd have like 10 different questions for me. And we'd just sit and talk about the Bible. And what is God saying here? And what is God saying there? And who's this Jesus guy? And man, it seems like he can make blind people see. And he can make lame people walk. Maybe he can take away all these addictions and these things in my life. Maybe he can can bring me back to, to life. And so over the course of the next year, we met together and almost a year to the date after that first Monday meeting, I got to stand in front of a a large group of folks and have a big stock tank in the front and I got to baptize him into the water. And as he rose out of the water, everybody cheered and clapped and his wife was there with his two-year-old son and and there was this moment of great victory, right? Now, here's, here's the kicker. He's probably still got problems, right? But in that moment, it was a moment of great victory. When was your last moment of great victory? When was your last moment that you can look back on and say, man, that was a great, great victory in my life. See, some of you, I would bet, are coming out of a season of great victory. Maybe you've just come through a really great season of life and you're feeling victorious this morning. You got to Easter and you were like, yes, Easter's here. Get to celebrate the risen King. I got a lot of risen in my life right now. I'm feeling very victorious. Some of you come out of a season of victory right here. Some of you, um, you need a season of victory right now. Right now. There are some of you sitting in here going, oh boy, he wrote this one for me. Right? Some of you need a season of victory. There's something in your life that's just not right. Something that's nagging at you, that's not helping you, that's hurting you. And you need a season of victory. For some of you, you're just kind of in this middle stage. And you don't really need a victory. But uh, on the horizon, there's going to be a day where you say, man, I, I need a victory. I need a win right now. I need things to go better because I am stuck in this valley and there's this giant in front of me and he seems to be defeating me. Wherever you are this morning, this is what I want to engage with. I want to engage with this question of seasons of victory, of when was your last victory and how do you approach these moments when you need a victory? And I want to talk about two aspects of a great victory two aspects of a great victory that we can find in this story number 1 a great victory is often found in the face of a giant problem a great victory is often found in the face of a giant problem let's talk let's talk about giants okay so i've categorized sort of two giants that we might find in the room today or in your life one of them being external Right? So it's something on the outside that feels like a giant. Maybe it's a great amount of financial debt. And maybe you know about it and your wife knows about it, but nobody else knows about it. Maybe you've entered into a business uh, endeavor and you're wondering, is this is this my giant? May- maybe you're in a situation financially where you go, "Man, I don't know how we're going to how we're going to face this giant." Uh, Maybe it's a health problem. Every single week when we do prayer requests, we become very aware that our bodies are extremely fragile. And that if one cell goes wrong and decides to go in the wrong direction, uh, opposite of the other cells, we got problems very, very quickly. So some of you right now are facing a giant that is health-related, either in your life or in a loved one's life, and you're looking at that giant and you're going, I don't know if we can beat this giant Some of you in the past year, a loved one, someone you cared for, they said, hey, I've got cancer. And suddenly there was this giant in front of all of you, this giant that you called cancer. you said, I've got this giant and I am facing this giant. Maybe it's a relational brokenness. Maybe you've got a broken relationship right now. That just it seems to to need to be fixed and it's just it's just going wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and every morning you wake up and it's not getting better and every day it seems like it's getting taller and taller and bigger and 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 it's just right there in your face. It could be external that your giant is, it also could be could be internal. One of the books that I was reading in preparation for This sermon and um, rereading for this sermon is "Goliath, Goliath Must Fall by Louis Giglio, pastor out of Atlanta. I highly recommend it. I'll leave it up here afterwards for you to check out. In it, he talks about how Goliath, the Goliaths in our lives, the giants must fall. And instead of talking about the external giants in our life, he takes a different angle on it. He talks more about the internal giants. In our lives. So maybe your giant isn't external, maybe your giant is internal. In this book, Lou Giglio talks about comfort, the giant of comfort, or the giant of complacency. That we, some of us, would settle for less than what God has for us. Some of us are more concerned with our comfort and our security than what God would ask for us, the grandness of his plan for our lives. And so we're obsessed with comfort. And when things don't aren't comfortable, we get really freaked out and we get really mad and we get really controlling because our giant is actually internal. It's not out there. It's actually in here. And it's this giant that says, all you need is happiness in life. All you need is comfort in life. All you need is, is just to be complacent. And we get tempted into saying, I'm just going to choose complacency. I'm just going to choose comfort. And there's this internal battle because you know God has more for your life. right? But inside you feel like, no, I'm just going to settle. I'm just going to settle. Maybe another internal one would be um, like the friend I was just talking about. Addiction. Maybe nobody knows about it, but you've got some things in your heart. Some addictive places in your heart where something is is other than God is taking God's place, and you just need it. Maybe, maybe it's um, maybe it's a substance. Maybe you're addicted to uh, the need to be needed. Maybe you're addicted um, to certain habits in your life but every day you wake up and you feel this sense that there's this giant within you that 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 is, is tempting you it, it's it's just stuck to you and you you don't know what to do with that maybe maybe it's an internal giant of of emo- some emotion if you're struggling with, with a deep sense of depression and, and, and you've gone to the doctor and you're doing the right things medically, but there's this deep sense of spiritual depression within you and you're hurting and you're sad and you're lonely and you wake up to this every single day and nobody else knows about it, but you've got this giant inside of you. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's the emotion of anger. And it's just bubbling right below the surface. And those who are closest to you know that it pops its head out every once in a while. It's reasonably ugly, right? And maybe you know that there's this giant of anger that's inside of you. Or maybe it's just as big as this. Maybe it's just a giant of yourself. Like you are the giant. Maybe maybe that's what's going on. That you would say, God, I know better than you. I've got this. I don't need your help. I'm okay. I got it. I don't need you. Maybe I'll show up on Sunday and you know, pay my dues. But listen, I've got this. And you know that you don't got this. You know deep inside that you wake up and you go, do I actually have what it takes? I don't know if I have what it takes. And you have this internal battle where you're saying, all I care about is myself. But I know God calls me to other things, better things. He calls me to love him and love others in different ways. Maybe the giant is yourself. Maybe the giant is internal. Well, see, um, that's what this story is all about. The story is all about facing a giant. And victory typically comes in the face of that giant. Chapter 17, verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, Came out of the Philistine camp. So nine foot tall Goliath comes out every morning to challenge the people, to challenge Saul's army. And this is how these internal and external um, giants feel for us, isn't it? That's how they feel. He comes out on the battlefield and he yells out and he says, "Who's coming against me today? I'm I'm coming out here and I'm standing in the battlefield." And you know where the fight is, who's coming against me? And these things feel giant to us. They feel huge to us. They feel like they're looming over us. In the things that I just talked about in these lists, right? If you if you really if we sat around and had coffee this week and we talked about the giants in your life, you'd say, Man, they overshadow me. But they loom over me. They seem larger than life. Goliath's nine feet tall. They look out at him and say, nobody can beat this. No one can beat this guy. And that's how the giants feel in our lives. They feel like, man, I can't get over this anger. I can't get over this addiction. I can't get over this this relational brokenness. I I can't get through this. It's just growing and growing and growing. It's not getting any smaller. There's no way for me to beat this giant in my life. And this Goliath comes out, and he taunts them each and every day. And what do they do? They stay in camp. Which is, I think... Part of what we want to do as well. If we're really honest with whatever our giant might be, one of the temptations is to uh, take flight. It's not to, to fight, but it's to take flight, right? One of our temptations is just to say, Wow, that's a big giant, I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm not going to face it. I'm not going to go up against it. Because if we get too close, it looks like it might kill me. So I'm going to stay here safe in my camp. I'll be fine in my camp. He can't get too close. The spear looks as big as me. But I don't think he would throw it all this way. So I'm going to stay back here. And as the Goliath is taunting and yelling at them, just as your giants do in your life and my giants do in my life, they taunt and they yell. And they stand out there foreboding. And we stay in camp. And there's no victory in camp. There's no victory in camp. Nobody ever said, my last great victory came out of me standing back in camp. Never happened. Great victory only comes when you face the giant. Because the giant paralyzes us with fear. It tempts us to stay away. It says, I'm too big for you. Don't come against me. And so when we do, we don't get to be a part of a great victory. But then David shows up. And he says, listen, I'll fight off this giant. I've fought bears. I've fought lions. And I can kill this giant. I will face him. You need to face your giants. You need to face your giants. You need to march out on that field and say, I'm not running away. I'm not staying in camp. I'm going to face against this giant. Enough is enough. I'm going to face this giant. And then when you face this giant, there's something more you need to know. Number two, victory is often achieved By using what God has already put in your hand. Victory is often achieved by using what God has already put in your hand. I'll put another book in your direction. David and Goliath, written by Malcolm Gladwell. Anybody read this book? So, so good. Uh, It's more about business um, than it is uh, about uh, Christianity. But Malcolm Gladwell writes these fantastic books, Um, and this one is called David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. So when you get out on the battlefield, what do you do in order to get victory? Malcolm Gladwell notes that David just does what he does, and he does it really well. He says it this way, ancient armies had three kinds of warriors. The first was cavalry, armed men on horsebacks or in chariots. The second was infantry, foot soldiers wearing armor and carrying swords and shields. The third were projectile warriors, or what today would be called artillery, archers and most important, slingers. Slingers had a leather pouch attached on two sides by a long strand of rope. This would be super long, like down to the ground. We're not talking like these little things that you take chipmunks out with, okay? Right? We're talking about a big, huge sling made out of leather with a rock about that big. I got to go to uh, an exhibit to see the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, last year in Denver. And they had actual uh, slinger stones there as part of the exhibit. And they're these big, huge balls that could inflect a lot Of damage. He goes on. They would put uh, a rock or a lead ball into the pouch, swing it around in increasingly wide and fast circles, and then release one end of the rope, hurling the rock forward. Slinging took an extraordinary amount of skill and practice, but in experienced hands, the sling was a devastating weapon. Paintings from medieval times show slingers hitting birds in mid-flight. Irish slingers were said to be able to hit a coin from as far away as they could see it. And in the Old Testament book of Judges, slingers are described as being accurate within a hair's breadth. An experienced slinger could kill or seriously injure a target at a distance of up to 200 yards. The Romans even had a special set of tongs. This is gross. Mother's Day. Made just to remove stones that have been embedded in some poor soldier's body by a uh, sling. Okay? Slingers. They were, they were deadly. They were deadly. And, and, and David is a slinger. And Goliath is infantry. So, so notice this. Goliath is out there nine foot tall. He's all armored up, right? And he's got this massive spear. And what is he thinking about when he's thinking about battle? He's thinking, this guy is going to come out with a spear and armor, and we're going to stand right here, me and you, and then we're going to see who jabs each other to death. That's what we're going to do. That's what infantry does. And so he's thinking, listen, that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have infantry come out. I'm going to be infantry. I'm going to jab them. They're going to jab me. I'm going to hit them with a the sword, and it's over. But instead, David, notice this, David picks up his sling, he says to Saul, I don't need that armor. I ain't going out there as infantry. I know what I do. I know what I have in my hand. What I have in my hand is a sling. And guess what I've killed with this sling? I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I've fended off my sheep with this sling over and over and over again. I can get a, hit a bird at 200 yards. That dude's nine foot tall. I'll put it right between his forearm, his eyes, right? Like, Dave, I think we tell the story like, oh, David, he, it's, this is so, he's never going to kill this giant. How could he kill? I don't think David was thinking that. I really don't. I think David was like, this is easy work. This is easy work. Not, not only am I slinger, but God's with me on this one, right? Like, I got double portion here. This is going to be fine. So he runs out onto the battlefield. Why? Because he did not have all that bulky armor on getting in the way, causing problems, he runs out like a slinger would because that's who he's been made to be. And he slings this thing around his head and he lets it fly and down goes Goliath. Gladwell goes on to say this. Goliath had as much chance against David, the historian Robert Dorwind writes, as any broad bronze-aged warrior with a sword would have had against an arm against an uh, opponent armed with a 45 automatic pistol meaning Goliath brought a knife to a gunfight that's what happened Goliath brought a big knife but a knife to a gunfight why because David knew what God had put in his hands David didn't say, I'm going to go out there like infantry. David didn't go out there and say, I'm going to be like like somebody else. David said, I'm going to go out there like me. Because that's who God has created me to be. I'm really good at slinging. That's what I'm really good at. So I'm going to take my sling. I'm going to knock this giant out. Victory is often achieved. By using what God has already put in your hands, reaching into his bag, verse 49, and taking out a stone, he slung it. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Like, what do you have available to help you with Goliath? God doesn't tell you to be somebody else. God doesn't tell you to do something somebody else would do. He tells you to be who you are and look at what you have in your hand, right? For some of you, that should be this. Look who you're sitting around, right? You've got this whole church body and they want to help you and love you and care for you and they want to encourage you, right? These people, we are at each other's hands, if we are the real church that God has called us to be, we would be those who would run to help one another. We have community. We have prayer in your hand. You can talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at any time. He can deal with any giant, and he's right at hand. He's right at hand. Ready to listen to you. Ready to hear you. Ready to respond to you he has given you specific skills uh, skills and abilities to to deal with the giants in your life and, and so I would consider for you is this what do you have at hand what can help you with this giant don't try to be somebody else look around you and say this is what's in my hand this is what I can use to defeat the giant that's in front of me, Victory is often achieved by putting, using what God has already put in your hand. And last, the seasonal reminder, it is the Lord who gives ultimate victory. It is the Lord who gives ultimate victory. See, David knows something. He knows something more than his sling, he knows something more than the size of the giant. He knows the size of his God. And he knows the might of his God. And he knows that the battle belongs to his God. See, here's the thing. In a sermon like this, like, part of me wants like, to tell you, be the hero. And I do. I want you to be the hero. But part of me also wants to say to you, you're not the hero. Okay? That, 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 this story, surprisingly enough, it's not about you. This book, I don't know. If you if you got the memo on that, it's not about you. I know you think it is. You're like, yeah, that verse is for me. Well, maybe. But, like, it's about God. This story is about God, and this life is about God. Specifically, this life is about Jesus, and he is the hero. And David knows this. David says, listen, David says this in verse 46, 47. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He doesn't say, I will take care of this. He says, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. For the battle, verse 47, is the Lord's. Whether you are in a season where you need victory, whether you've just come out of a season of great victory, or whether, and I can guarantee you, there's going to be a season coming where you need victory, you need to know that the battle is the Lord's. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for this story that reminds us that you are with us, that you fight for us, that you do new and unexpected things, that you're, you're, you're taking us from the old to the new, that you're slaying Goliath. God, I pray for those who are going through this moment right now who need victory. I pray, God, that you would allow them to see what is at hand. I pray that they would face the giant, that they wouldn't run away. And I pray that they would know that the battle is yours. Help us to walk into this this week. We ask in Jesus' name.